Putin, Zelensky, Biden, NATO, and Eastern Europe at war. You are listening to continuing coverage of war in Ukraine on The John DePietro Show. AM 1380, 99.9 FM, WNRI. Listen live online at DePietro.com. Let's go live now to the border of Ukraine and John DePietro. and discover the brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, they're local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Well, obviously, it's Monday, and we continue. begin week three of our uh, coverage in Eastern Europe. I am covering this uh, primarily right from the border of Poland and Ukraine, which is the larger border crossings. And as you've heard my coverage, folks, I mean the amount of people pouring over the the border. It's, it's into the millions. This portion of the program is brought to you by Propane Plus. Now, remember, Propane Plus... Call them today. All your propane needs, all your propane supplies, you can depend on them. 401-885-4209. 401-885-4209. It's Propane Plus. Remember, folks, they've been doing it three generations now. It's Propane Plus. Call them today. And also, in Massachusetts, I want to make sure I always give out the Massachusetts number, and that is, in fact, 508-252-3359. Remember, you can depend on Propane Plus. I want to thank, uh, obviously, folks, I'm going to continue to thank so many different people, uh, especially Paul Manville, our friend. John, the roofer, stepped up, said, I love the coverage. I want to be on board with it. You are. Folks, remember, call for a free quote. Now is the perfect time. Maybe you're getting some leaking in the roof. I have an old roof. Call. John the Roofer, Residential Commercial Roofing, 1-866-906-ROOF, 1-866-906-ROOF. Now, as much as we're doing the coverage, obviously, on the war, which is the story of the world, I'm obviously keeping track, and you hear, talking to different people um, in, uh, in the local Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut area, and, and looking at just um, one observation, the number one, there's several things you have to look at. The, the race for governor. Now, we still don't have that Republican candidate hasn't announced yet. So the, the, the Republican Party seemingly is all in. They're sold on her. She's from Illinois. She bought a house in Newport last May. Her and her husband seemingly have made an awful lot of money off of Rhode Island during or did during COVID. And that will all be fleshed out. And, um, I, you know, let's we'll wait and see. Now, the rest of the race, though. Uh, on the Democrat side, you know, things like, believe it or not, but things like the war help Governor McKee. Governor McKee is definitely limiting his his um, interaction with the media. He's not doing those press briefings anymore. Now with COVID over, I don't, I don't think you're going to be seeing him do a lot. He'll talk to the media, but he finishes, you know, there's a ribbon cutting ceremony. And then as he's walking to get in his car, he'll, you know, stop and answer questions for 45 seconds to a minute. And then they hustle him out of there. Things like the war, that actually helps Governor McKee because then it's less focused on the race. The PC fires are going to get a lot of news this week. Uh, that's good for incumbents because, again, it's, it's, it's more things. Look at Thursday and Friday, all local coverage on television. It's, it's all going to be about Providence College Fries moving on. So happy about that. Sweet 16, and then they'll, they'll play uh, uh, in Chicago on Friday night. And, and so that's going to, you know, never mind if they win. Well, then it's really good because just it, it drags it out and then there's less press coverage. So I don't see right now a lot of the opponents doing a lot to move the needle. In the governor's race, Helena Bonanno, folks, she's 
issued a couple statements, but certainly she hasn't dominated a news cycle, meaning, you know, she hasn't gotten a hold of a story, an issue in a positive way and, and, and like dominated like two or three days. I mean, it just hasn't happened. If anything, she hasn't even dominated a news day. Secretary of State Nellie Gobea, I'm going to stay with my prediction that her whole bid for governor is going to be ground game. Winning the Democrat primary, I, I see nothing that tells me differently that she is putting all her eggs in winning the mail ballot ground game, get out the vote, uh, because she is another one, you know, pokes her head up here and there. But other than that, not getting a lot of attention. The rest of them are completely AWOL. But the, the CD2 race, the Congressional District Race 2, of on the Republican side, you have Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, and Bob Lancia. All right, so, you know, those three are on the Republican side. On the Democrat side, this is just so matching up well for General Treasurer Seth Magaziner because he is someone— He's won two statewide races, which means he's got people in Cranston, Warwick, Johnston, North Kingstown, uh, Borough, all those places, that at least that have voted for him. And the large field plays really well for him. You know, other he, he's the only one. I don't even see anyone that's a Democrat running in for that Langevin seat, CD2. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't even, there, there's, I think, nine people running, eight people running. I'm not even sure. And, you know, does anyone see anyone making any noise? I know they're all trying to get organized and they're trying to raise money. But where this really plays to the strength of General Treasurer Seth Magaziner is the crowded field. You know, uh, all it is is when you have a lot of people on a debate stage and then everyone gets the same amount of time and you have nine people, he will stand up there. doesn't matter if they attack him. All, all he has to do is say he agrees with what everyone else is saying. And and he wins, and the crowded field really plays to his advantage. So his people, I mean, now they, unless something dramatic happens, they could almost already start to focus on, on the general, uh, which will be coming up in November, whoever wins out of the primary, simply because I, I, I've yet to see anyone come up with anything that is different, trying to gain traction. A, a number of them could now be thrown off because he's in the race, and maybe some of them are not going to run. Remember, a lot of the signatures don't have to be until June. I've seen this before. People come up, they you know do toe in the water, but then at the end of the day, they, they don't they don't dive into the, uh, the the pool. So um, I, it's not as long as people. Th I mean, we're coming to the end of March now. So then you go April, May, June. So three months before all the paperwork filing has to be in. And then you go July, August. Early voting starts in five months. So by June, some people will start to form opinions. Not all. Some people will decide the day of the primary in September. Some people will decide the week before. Some people will decide the weekend before. It's very difficult to see everybody on. I always say tell people just wait. Wait to see them on stage. And then you can get a better sense of, of where they stand. But... Uh, but just to try to be objective and realistic, which we want to be here on the John DePietro Show, um, unless someone starts to, uh, Seth Magazine would be, would, would, I'd, I'd almost, I don't want to say in trouble, but it would be far more challenging if he had maybe one or two opponents. And, you know, and then, then at least there's some difference. But you have that many people running, um, it's uh, I, maybe maybe and the, the party might be happy with that. Then then it's just a crowded field and it it certainly will play to his strength. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by State Towing Service. I want to thank Michael Salvatore, very supportive of the program. Auto sales and repair, 24 hour towing. Listen, if you're a landlord and you have someone par parking in your property, call State Towing Service today. 401 State Towing Service, Auto Sales and Repair. Those guys are just terrific. All right, you are listening to The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, 
they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can also sit online at the website. Segment. doesn't matter if I am overseas. It's still time for politics this week. Joining <laughs> me, he is the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It is our friend Justin Katz. And Justin, I want to start off, obviously, full disclosure, uh, Brood Awakenings. I know the owner, uh, Dave Levick. They, they're just fantastic. Four locations, two in Johnston, one in uh, Warwick, right on Bald Hill Road, and one on Pontiac Avenue in Cranston. Uh, I, I'm just local business, big fan. The Warwick location is fantastic. They have a drive through They have plenty of parking. Um Anyone that seemingly is like going to have some kind of a group meeting or something in the Warwick area, they always always seems to be at Brood Awakenings. And so there was going to be a gathering of uh, someone that we've talked about in the past, Providence teacher Ramona Bessinger. And she was going to get together and just talk to some parents firsthand about it's not their imagination, critical race theory, critical race theory in the schools. And uh, Brood Awakenings in Bald Hill Road and Warwick. Uh, is really nothing more than the venue, the vehicle. And uh, my goodness, suddenly they're, you know, going there and uh, you have these protesters and they're led by someone from the North Kingstown School Department. And they're, it caused two of the people that work there to actually resign because they were fearful of the group. And, um, and, and it's just, and I, I kind of want to dovetail it into a little bit of, you know, what we, what started just a couple, seems like a long time ago, but a few weeks ago, if you remember, the Monday night when the communists were gathering, actually it was the, the beginning of the invasion into, of, uh, of, of Russia into Ukraine. But um, when some, whoever, this group came and then started yelling at some communists, banging on the window, and then interrupted their reading for two minutes. But I would just want to start off with uh, the actions of these protesters, where then they went after this, went after brute awakenings. Yeah, well, it's, you know, social media really makes it easy to make make a small business feel as if they're inundated, you know, and they, they get this, the, the anxiety going and the employees start to get nervous, as I guess happened in this case. So yeah, you've got the school committee, a school committee member in North Kingstown, Jennifer Lima, uh, I guess, I don't know if she was a ringleader or just a participant, but they're protesting just free speech of parents. I mean, it's pretty it's a pretty stunning development if you stop and think about it. Uh, but apparently, you know, it's, it's always wrong to, to speak your mind when you oppose progressive changes. And so, uh, you know, the, the contrast with Providence is instructive. I mean, it's, it's about the worst thing you can do. Lima, the school committee member was outside of the business with a sign that said brute awakenings, bigot Academy or something to that effect. I mean, calling the business, bigoted and racist um this it's really a do a lot of damage to a business that way i'm i've heard some people suggest that they ought to be suing her for defamation i i'm not sure the case would stand but i mean that's that's always acceptable on the left if you're on the right now then you're the one you you've got to hide and and run i think the the most telling statement of it all was was when lima said to the journalists you know well i'm i'm all for free speech but you know it's that but uh, the fascist, but, you know, but, you know, we yeah. can't have people talking like this free. This doesn't count. We we can't have conservatives or people who disagree with, with indoctrinating children in schools be able to speak. Uh, but it does go to show, you know, you, you can deep platforming is not just an online social media thing anymore. They can get businesses to, to for be frightened and just not book these sorts of events. And, and Justin, what does it say that it's a member of the North Kingstown School Department? And now, granted, you know, uh, the, uh, the night that the communists were having their reading the manifesto in the red room or the reading room or whatever it is on Camp Street and those, you know, and you were the one that put the video that showed it was actually just two minutes of uh, these idiots uh, yelling outside, literally from beginning to end was, was two minutes. And, and everyone was calling out about this should not stand and 
and they certainly had a right to be there. And again, I, I wouldn't even argue about that. A group of communists wanted to get together. What were the six of them, eight of them? And they're reading comrade, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fine. But the, the first principle should be of, hey, this is America. And on top of that, the critical race theory, it's been in the news. There wasn't going to be violence there in any way, right? It wasn't like it was a, a rough group coming in. I remember the summer 2020, I, I covered a, a rally in Park where there was supposed to be the new Black Panther Party that, that showed the results of my reporting there was a canceled and then didn't show. These were parents that wanted to hear firsthand because a lot of people are trying to you know, figure it out. And not everyone arrives at the party at the same time. They're trying to figure out where this is going, how they should handle it. Um, kind of like an informational type of thing. And um, I, I just find it completely outrageous. What makes Jen Lima and some of the other people that were there, what makes them think that they can shut down something like this? I, I find it that they should have absolutely been called out. And I, I think there was some media coverage of it, but do you, do you think that it got played enough in the media? No, it doesn't. And and to the effect that, to the extent it is covered, it's it's not covered fairly. You know, it's not covered in the way it would be covered if the politics were reversed. You know, you we you get a, a court case that goes all the way up to the Supreme Court when, say, a, a baker or a florist doesn't want to uh, participate in a, a same-sex wedding ceremony. Um, they're called public accommodations. So right. the, the argument is they have to they have to provide the public their services. You can debate that, but that's what this is. This is Brood Awakenings providing a, a meeting place. Um, if if it were a progressive group, they would and Brood Awakenings were declining it. They would be saying, "Well, you have to you have to host them." Here, the same people are saying, "You know, we're we're going to intimidate your employees and shut your business down if you don't if you don't forbid these people." You know, it's just it, it goes back to you know the fundamental left right differences. I mean, conservatives are very much more you know let's debate it, let's argue about it. More speech is better. Right. Everybody say what they think, because that's how we, we, well, one, discover if we're, if we're missing something, but two, figure out what you're missing if you're missing something and try to persuade you to that. That's kind of the conservative approach, um, which is what made the, you know, the, the Nazis or the, the fascists going after the communists kind of unique. You know, they're not really conservative in the American sense. Right. Uh, they're really socialist, national socialists. So, I mean, it's, it's once you get to that kind of branch of ideology where, where everything has to be government. You know, I, I, I can't, can't help but connect it in this really weird law you might have seen. It, it passed the House in Massachusetts and then almost simultaneously in Congress, the House, uh, the Crown Act, where they're forbidding businesses from, um, from discriminating based on hairstyle. And, you know, I think it's a pretty silly yes. thing to do. Uh, you know, I, I don't think businesses should do that, especially when it's, you know, an ethnic hairstyle that is, is done up and presentable in that, that culture, uh, as opposed to say, you know, mo a purple mohawk or something that might be different. But the idea on the left is everything that you think is moral has to be in the law. That's how they right. think. Conservatives right. are more like, you know, the law is the law. It's there to set a framework. Morality is done by the culture. Uh, and that's, I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, you, you, if you can't have free speech, if you're, if you're spouting things they don't like, because it, you have to ban things that are bad in a progressive idea. And, you know, that's frankly why it leads to death camps and people being killed around the world whenever it's tried. <laughs> you know, I still come back to you and the best take. And again, folks, our segment is politics this week with me. It's Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorising.com. You still have the best take of, uh, of just the sheer circus and drama of, you know, a group of communists and they're yelling through the window at the, the neo-Nazis and they're doing the, the Zeke Hale and they have the flag. And then, you know, the whole, you were the only one that posted because those guys posted the, the video online that literally Justin Katz from beginning to end, I, they were there in front of the window for less than two minutes. They didn't bang on the window. They were just yelling out front. There was some kind of an altercation when one, someone wanted to come in. But I still, the way, the next day, um, or that, no, yeah, the next day, uh, then the next night, actually, Channel 10, Channel 12, they were all running the uh, the head of the BLM pack saying that, uh, this is another example, white supremacy, and then slash, of course, Trump supporters 
are the biggest threat to safety <laughs> in Rhode Island. And, and what, again, is just so ironic about it, and at least I'm not the only one that feels this way, is both Governor McKee issued the statement, I knew with information, contact the police, Cicilline weighed in on it, um, and they never acknowledged the fact that, you know, Governor McKee went to the, uh, the playground, I think, the next day or the day after where they had a rally about it. Uh, Black Lives Matter was there. And they never addressed the fact that, uh, as I've said, a quarter mile from there is where Maya Brophy Behrman was shot and killed on August 1st. And, and as you know, and I, I've covered, I mean, it's not even close. The amount of violence, of gang violence, uh, gang feuds, all the stuff back and forth, most of the time, if not all the time, involving the drug trade in Providence, without question, is the biggest danger, it's caused the most deaths, the most murders and everything. And yet it still went unchallenged as someone is on the news saying that, you know, the biggest threat right now in Rhode Island are the neo-Nazis and white supremacists. You know, it, it almost makes you it almost makes you think that the, the left wants them to arise. Uh, yes. National socialists and fascists. I mean, it, I I joked about it as they were it was cosplay. I mean, what it reminded me of the communists versus the the fascists was was sort of like when I was a kid and I would go to where I lived in, in the New Jersey area. There was the Sherwood Forest, which was you know like kings you know you'd go and it was almost like uh robin hood kind of stuff everybody in costumes and there's another one that was wild west you walked down the street and they would have a play where somebody would shoot another person as if it were real wild west it was kind of like that only it was it was early 1900s europe where the socialists and the fascists were fighting but if if anybody you know the governor or congress people understood their history this is kind of what happened and what what made fascists emerge was socialists were making things not work well and and people were starting to re reject socialism and a nationalist jumped in to fill that void and it's almost like the, our modern socialists kind of miss that and want that to happen again uh because that's that's really really where they're going with all this it's it's uh, a, a disappointing thing to see so many politicians feeling as if they have to have to play along with with all of this yeah and just before the break i also want to once again and i realize i'm the only one but in, in the media but uh this whole business of both Governor McKee and Sabina Matos, Lieutenant Governor, using the bully pulpit uh, of being Governor, Lieutenant Governor, saying anyone with any information about this incident, contact the Providence Police. Uh, never, never heard that. Uh, certainly in that Maya Brophy Behrman, obviously I've covered that story. I, I feel for the parents, uh, listeners to my program came up with a, a $100,000 reward. Never used the power of the, the bully pulpit that they both enjoy to put information out that that remains an unsolved uh, murder. And, um, and again, it, it, it just all seems to come down to, to politics. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. And that's why we're talking as politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com right here on the John DePietro show. To check out our website, dePietro.com. DePetro.com, which is sponsored by and brought to you by the Centerdale Revival Comfort Food and Cocktails, located 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Shane and his crew, what a wonderful job they've done. Winner of several Rhode Island Best of Awards, Best of Rhode Island Awards. The Centerdale Revival. Delicious food, cocktails, a lot of fun. Stop it and see them. 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorrising.com. Justin, I was not there, but last week, State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, uh, she lives in CD1, supposedly looking, though, for housing in CD2, which is not easy. Uh, but she had her announcement. She uh, did it last Wednesday. She did it in Cranston, had a you know small group, had the press there, had her family there. Uh, came out with some of her platform. And then I have seen some things here and there on social media. She's going around and, and you know, taking pictures with the, the local businesses and so forth, hearing their thoughts. Um, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. I'll share mine on her rollout. That's usually the, you know, that's one of the bigger days of the campaign. It ideally kicks in, you know, that's a day to really raise money. Uh, it's the most enthusiastic. A lot of times it's, it's kind of like to me a team on opening day of the season they're thinking well you know this year we really think we're going to go to the world series it's opening day um just your thoughts on her entry into the race official entry well i, th I think i mean it was it was a 
more or less standard kind of announcement. Um, nothing shocking or <laughs> necessarily innovative, but you know, there, there's plenty, there's plenty of time until the event. Uh, a lot of the, the noise I saw was, you know, you, some of the, the local media are really just progressive activists um, in, in disguise. And yeah. they, they noticed a hat behind of some, somebody who's wearing behind her. And that was the big focus on a lot of social media. And I thought the contrast there, um, as I, I just, I think I mentioned last week or the week before versus Fung's kind of rollout with a, with his logo on social media, um, it showed the, showed the risk of, of the more standard, uh, rollout like this, you know, you, you, you're just showing yourself to the people, you're not really presenting anything kind of viral. And so you run the risk that somebody in this case, Bill Bartholomew will grab something else. It was a hat that said, I identify as non-binary. Um, and that was supposedly offensive, but that's what became viral, at least as far as I saw on social media. So I, I think they could get a little bit more, <laughs> more creative and trying to control the narrative. That's going to be that's going to be the really critical thing. Uh, and in, I mean, in that light, the, the National Congressional, National Republican Congressional Committee uh, was out there going after Magaziner without, you know, picking a Republican to go against him. Um, I think that's, that's where De La Cruz really should turn her attention is, is controlling the narrative, not, not just presenting herself, but, but making sure that what people are talking about is her and not not a hat behind her, not not just the event, but something she's done deliberately to go viral. I um I think I think that's a good assessment. Um, it it it's not easy. I I obviously I want to be encouraging to her. I've only met her on a couple of occasions. I don't know that much about her. I don't know who's running her campaign. Um, listen, as she's going to find it, it was it was okay. You know, I mean, it wasn't a disaster. I don't think there was a lot of penetrating questions um it, it maybe was a blurb on the news certainly didn't get people's attention i think and i'm going to stick with what i've said this is it's it's difficult when you're running out of district um i saw this betsy dennigan was a very popular elected house rep from east providence and then she also had a summer house uh down in Narragansett. so she thought oh i'll i'll make that's where i live and then i'll run against jim langevin but the problem was all the people that had voted for her and used to canvas for her they could not vote for her because suddenly, you know, she lived in East Providence in CD1. Now she's she's running in CD2 and it kind of, you know, flamed out and really did not go that well. Um, Jessica De La Cruz, again, I, I don't know the, the whole thing about someone wearing the hat. I, that To me, that's it's not on the candidate. It's 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 a distraction. I'm going to I think it's one of two things, either whoever's running the campaign you don't need or want that type of distraction. And that's, even if it's something as simple as that, they are standing behind you. It's not like it's someone in the crowd. Um, the candidate can't see everything. And the candidate is, you know, is trying to be organized and read the press. So, you know, when the press release went out, they spent, they spelt the name of the street wrong, which is Phoenix Avenue, which is a little bit sloppy. And then now this, eh, it's, it's not the biggest thing. And you're right, they're going to pull on that. But what I think, I, I just think in order to, I, I agree with you. I, I think it should have been thundering out of the box about, again, you know, my opinion, but, but about Magaziner, about Cicilline, uh, you know, about Biden. She seems comfortable with the, she wants to do something about gas. I think that that's smart. Um, I saw some Republicans in Arizona are going to start registering people to vote at gas stations. I think that's a really good <laughs> idea as people are there and they're so upset, like, hey, you registered to vote. Um, I, I just think what she's going to find is just how difficult it is. And they don't know till they get in of how difficult it is to really break through and get people to know who you are, know that you're running, know what seat you're running for. I think, you know, with this, there's so much novelty. She's never done a big announcement like that. I, I think her campaign sign, it's not terrible, but it's a little bit of a mess. Um, you know, you mentioned that that Fung sign is so crystal clear and it's it uh, it really stands out. She She's going to have an uphill battle. Um, but in speaking of that, um, the, the other people that are running against Magazine are Justin, I mean, I, I think it, it's now up to, it's either eight or nine, but we're getting into late March. I don't know if they really realize, like I said, that the more the crowded field and the more those people stay quiet, 
it, it just seems to benefit Magaziner. I mean, do you see anyone making noise on the Democrat side in that CD2 race? No, not really. I mean, every now and then on social media, one of them will tweet out pictures of their business cards or their, their signage or something. Mm. None of it's really caught my attention. Certainly not like Fung's did uh, gathering all that, you know, earned media, so to speak, on social media. But I think, you know, especially on a Democrat side in Rhode Island, it's so it's so ordered and corrupt where you, yeah. you put in your time, you, you serve on your local board, then they let you go up to the house. And if you do everything that you're told, you can move up the ladder and maybe even become a, a magistrate on a judge on a court, you know, that's sort of the, the career trajectory. And it seems so easy because people have put in such a long time building those relationships and proving that they're good soldiers for the Democrat party. that I think others think that's kind of how it goes, that you, it's just not that hard of a thing to do. Uh, so I, I, I wonder if that kind of, they're not used to having to fight and, and really rally and it, except for the progressives. And that's why I think they've been relatively successful because they do get out there, they're focused and they, they canvas an area. And I think you're, you're right on with Jessica De La Cruz is it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to depart from the base that you've built. I mean, it's, it's one thing to go around a, a municipality and knock on every door, as they say. Um, it's another to just suddenly shift and, you, which, you know, you're not going to knock on every door in the second district in a matter of months. Um, and so that's where they've really got to come up with ways, you know, that being having a hat in the background that distracts the media isn't a bad thing if you've, you've planned that and you've set it up in order to go viral in a way that you know, if you rope a dope the, the progressives to, to make them angry so that you get attention. And that's kind of what Fung managed to do with that logo. Everybody was kind of, what is this? Oh, that's not even, that's not even, a, you know, that's a, a classic painting. That's not an original design. Oh, my goodness. You know, he kind of rope a doped them into retweeting his own, his own logo. So I think that kind of creative thinking could go a long way. I just, as you say, I don't know who's, who's running the other campaigns, uh, and what, but they're not really, they're, they're playing sort of a standard, almost general assembly level game, not a congressional statewide game. They're not. And, and, and also, um, you know, to be fair, I, I think this is a tough climate if you're, okay, so, you know, you're Justin Katz and you're running as a Democrat for Congress in the CD2. I mean, you go up to someone's door and they're complaining about inflation and they're complaining about the price of gas <laughs> and who's in control down there. It's Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat, and it's President Biden. And what do you, you know, what do you say to that? And I'm going to go down and you go through the laundry list of, of you know, we're going to protect the woman's right to choose and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I just think they're all kind of saying the same thing. One thing, you know, you're exactly right about the progressives. One thing about their ideas are they're so far to the left. At least they stand out. You know, when, when Bernie Sanders talked about, you know, free college and everything else, I mean, now Raimondo grabbed that. But when he first came out with that, you know, he, that's, he certainly owned it. And, and some of the, the Green New Deal stuff, as much as I don't agree with it, at least when they left your doorstep, well, there was someone that had a different type of idea. I come back to, you know, the, the, there's a great book, Game Change. Um, and it, it was about the, the 2008 presidential election, you know, Barack Obama and, and Joe Biden against John McCain and Sarah Palin. And the whole reason was, was, you know, they sat down with McCain and he was trailing and just didn't see a path to victory. And and, and they came up with it and, and said to him, you know, if you really want to win this thing, you need a game changing type of moment. And that's how he how he picked Sarah Palin. And although it flamed out in the very beginning and the first couple of weeks and after the Republican convention, that was an unbelievable pick. And they shot up and she was this breath of fresh air and was getting big crowds. And I, I don't I just get the sense, you know, Ed Pacheco and. You know, Joy Fox one day went out and was meeting people. I, I don't I don't see anyone that really seems to know what it's what it's really going to take. Um, they seem very intimidated by Magaziner. I think he's really thrown off the race. That's actually when you think about it, um, because they've all gone quiet. And, and just by default, his names get mentioned. And it, let, let's face it. I mean, the larger field just benefits him. Because if you're in Pacheco, uh, what, what are you really, you know, what are you going to get, 10%? Is that a good showing? I mean, he's a magazine. He's been elected twice general treasurer, plus he has a war chest. I mean, I, I tend to think he's at least pulling 25 to 30%. And then when you have 
eight other people, even if they're all just getting small bits. Um, I, I just think it, 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 the scattered field really, really benefits him. Jessica De La Cruz, again, it's tough not knowing what their plan is and who's really running the campaign. Um, I'm not saying she comes out and starts smearing a Nancy Pelosi or anything like that, but it's, I, I think they're also going to find a real chance you know, the situation, an international situation going on. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that, and again, I wasn't there, that, that, that there weren't more questions about President Trump or what would you do? And I mean, if you're in Congress, you're supposed to know about international relationships or, you know, what would you do? Should we step up? Should we not step up? Um, I, I, I didn't, unless some people asked that, it just didn't make news. But um, I, I don't, I don't think she, she, maybe I'm sure for her, it was a, the greatest day ever and your family and friends are there and your kids. And again, she seems like a, a very genuine, sincere uh, uh, per individual, but I, I don't know. You, you're talking about trying to win Cranston and Warwick. Yeah. Well, I think the a focus on the, the other Democrats is a good one. I mean, the, the, <clears throat> The progressives do well because they have, they care, they have, uh, they're motivated, they have ideas. They're horrible, dangerous ideas if you right. know if you look into them. But they have ideas, and so you know, I, I think people who pay attention to this sort of thing all the time, like probably most of the people listening to us, uh, you, you can forget that most people don't really care that much. And so when somebody comes to your door, even if you're not really comfortable with everything they say you, you'll be impressed that they seem to care you know well they yeah. seem to care they seem to know what they're talking about i disagree um, maybe when they get in office the stuff i disagree with they won't do that so much because they'll see what a bad idea it is you know that's kind of the way the average person starts to think of this sort of thing and i i think that's what the the progressives do really well and i think that's that's why you know Congress isn't so much of a knocking on doors kind of race as say General Assembly, but it's still that's a, a good good rubric to follow, a good pattern. You know, you what if if I were to knock on people's door, what would I say to them? And it's you know in that in that competition, the Democrats in Rhode Island are so boxed in ideologically yeah. uh, with special interests of the unions and so on, they can't really say anything that's too far from what magaziners. The, the turf that Magaziner has has basically conquered and taken for himself. So they've got no way to stand out on that side of the aisle. And I think, but I think a similar similar perspective would be helpful on the Republican side as well. Just what would I say? How do I show I care, but I'm not crazy uh, and I'm motivated? And you know, you you've got to get other people knocking on doors, especially when you got to cover two at, at least two major urban areas in the state. You also, before we take the break, you also see, and I'm going to call it, it was just the sheer genius of the Trump campaign in 2015, 2016. There were 19 Republicans standing on that stage, right? Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, some, some real established Republicans. And how does a guy who's never run before, who's a builder, how does he stand out from the crowd? I'm going to build a wall. And <laughs> he, he grabs the issue. He makes it a visual. He makes it easy to understand, and it, it becomes his signature you know, part of the campaign. That's how you stand out when you have 19 people and the whole element of make America great again. I mean, just when you really look at it in those standards and one by one, Chris Christie you know, drops out of the race, and then Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush and, and uh, Ted Cruz and so forth. And then at the end, it was just Trump standing. Folks, uh, another quick break, a lot more. Politics this week, Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus, for heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401 885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, Good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com, Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 
3359 and in Rhode Island 401-885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. Our segment is politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Justin, uh, another item I just want to mention quickly. It was last May, May of 21. Uh, I, I'm going to take credit. I was the only one. I was the only one out there. People can check thepetro.com. I was the only one that said that there was definitely some form of arson involved with the burning of the speaker's building. No one else went with that. I'm going to take credit for that. I was uh, absolutely uh, alone. I, I, I knew what I knew from different people that I talked to. Uh, I was out there each day from the very beginning, several days afterwards, talking to different people. Fast forward a year later, and the Providence Journal and Channel 6 also picked up on a story. Not only did a car in his condo complex burst into flames, Speaker Sakachi, now he admits he believes that it was also his office building <laughs> where that was a uh, subject of arson. And, and I, this is one of those, Justin, that I, I was alone on that. Everyone else was there, Globe, Journal, Channel 10, 12. I was the one that was out there filming, showing, saying there's no way that this was just somebody left out a coffee pot or anything else, uh, that this was the way it went down, that this was arson. But it, I'm a little surprised that there isn't more on this when you have the, the most powerful person in the state, Speaker Sakachi, basically saying that he, he believes there's now been two attempts of arson, one in, at his business and the other at his home. Yeah, it does. And he, he mentioned also having communications that lead him to to feel this way, you know, uh, yes. emails and such. And when his office was burned down, um, I can't remember whether you found it or I did, but there there were uh, activist groups that were, you know, not like national activist you groups found mentioning that. it. Yes. Okay. You found it. Yes. <laughs> I was willing to give you credit if you wanted to, but um, they, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, they you were found that on one of those Antifa type of uh, yeah, websites. Exactly. And then so, the same sign was found when I, I broke the story that that uh, attorney in North Providence that does the evictions, his office was burned down. Yeah, well, exactly. And so he's got communications. He's saying he feels it's arson and he's starting to get nervous. Um, and it, yeah. that the police are taking a long time uh, figuring it all out. Uh, so, you know, I you have to put give some weight to that. I mean, it does seem kind of an indirect mode of, of attack, uh, but that's... Uh, it, that's really kind of how it could operate. If, if a group is trying to intimidate him without getting caught, you know, making it plausibly deniable is is one way to do that. And there's there's a lot of money rolling around there. I remember uh, back in the the olden days on Anchor Rising, uh, I was ch- chatting with uh, Andrew Morris uh, when when gambling was really becoming bigger and bigger thing. And he, he said he's he's always he's always joked about the idea that anybody could be you know mob could be getting involved in our elections at a general assembly and stuff because it seems so petty. But once you start bringing in these big interests and you're getting that with a lot of these progressive organizations now not yeah. not on a, like a corrupt you know mob type thing but just on on environment environment there's lots of money to be made uh, in that that's right uh, and there's lots of influence to be peddled and so that's you can't you can't really you know discount that that's kind of the, the progression you get the the issues become hotter and hotter and suddenly things start becoming a little bit more violent a little more uncomfortable and a little bit more apt to burst into flames and and that may be some of what we're seeing there of course it may not be some of the the story does to some extent read like a you know a murder mystery of some kind you know there's a the angry employee and so the the people whose car burnt down were on the board of the condo association so there's a lot there are other pieces but it's definitely a door that ought to be open and you'd think more and the media would would be digging and looking into this you know the, the speaker says he's got emails what are those emails you know right what groups might there be he you know yes. he, he's mentioning certain policies they might be upset with well trace those down where's the money in that yeah and so i think That's part of right. the problem may be that there's just there's just not a lot of a lot of resources in journalism anymore, particularly state and local journalism. I mean, you're, you're alone there among Rhode Islanders out in, in Eastern Europe, overseas. for example. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, there's just not those resources to go, okay, you, no. you there may be nothing to this story, but I'm going to send one of my reporters to follow it for a month and a half and see yeah. if we can chase anything down. They just don't have that anymore. And, and the, the business model isn't there, which, which may, partly explain some of it it's just a lot easier to to cover you know press releases from the state offices pr teams 
and I go back to and just double table, uh, dovetail when you had after the whole white supremacist screaming outside the window of the communists, the whole statement of the biggest threat, right, in our area. If these <laughs> were right wing Trump supporters threatening him, I think we'd know about it. I just find it, you know, it, it's it's a story that's not that common to people. You have the most powerful person in Rhode Island who he, he feels he is being targeted with arson. And I'm telling you again, I was at that the back of his building. There's no way a fire goes up that quickly. That looked like a bomb went off. And I said it at the time. And I'll even say that he and some of his staff were like, oh, do you think so? I don't know. And now they are like, you know, in hindsight, you were right. Now we do believe that that, that fire was set. So there's someone that's doing it. I think it is definitely, it's the left. It's uh, far left activists. It's direct action. Sometimes of a group, who knows, you know, they could be in New England, floating in and out, who we don't have an idea, but it's it's definitely out there. Now, speaking of direct action, I am anxious for this Illinois tourist who's going to announce that she's running to be the governor as a Republican. If, if anything, someone to go after Governor McKee on these, again, these ridiculous $3,000 bonuses would now... What is your reaction, Justin Katz, that, you know, the state troopers are now getting the 3000 because the Providence teachers got the 3000 And now Governor McKeven says, oh, I like his new defense. Oh, I didn't even know that they would get to wear their body cams. I mean, talk about, but, but again, when you have a Democrat primary and they all want to pull from the same group and no one wants to offend any of the state workers, you get this type of outrageousness. But it is, it is beyond outrageous that we have someone who's using taxpayer money and he's even triggering it that 1500 arrives in July right for early voting, uh, which starts in August for the September primary. And, and this is to me, it is an absolute shameful abuse of power. Well, it is. And I, I think he makes it worse for himself with the with his him or even his office, which I don't know if that's any better, uh, trying to cover it with with excuses every time. Oh, this is for getting the, the vaccine. This is for wearing a body camera. This is for, I don't know, making sure your desk is clean and everybody gets it. Right. You know, I don't I'm not sure why they're doing that. It'd, it'd be refreshing almost if he just said, look, we've a lot of money came into state government and we were just, you know, we're making sure it, it spreads around all the special interests. I mean, at least that would be refreshing, I think. But you, you do raise an, a good point with the, the Republican challenger uh, who, you know, at this point, I don't know what she's waiting for. Um, you know, a lot of the, we were just discussing Congress and I, you get the sense a lot of people jumped into that race just because it's, yeah. it's kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. Well, right. you know, the, the a governor's race is kind of like that. Once you've decided you're in, you know, you, you, even if you have really great plans lined up and how you're going to knock them down one by one, you've got to use some kind of intuition and jump on these sorts of ready-made stories. Uh, so I, I'm kind of wondering why, why there's not more of that already from that candidate. Yeah. The, um, and, and as I think of it, the debates or debate, whatever, when they start to have for the, for the CD2 Democrats. I mean, picture nine people on stage. That just plays to magaziners. Uh, that plays to strength because then it's less time for everyone. The less time just is better for him. Uh, he's going to, you know, be battling this ground game. A uh, lot of, you know, male identifying voters. But you're going to have the situation where they say, should we raise the minimum wage? And then nine people raise their hand. Should we do this? Nine people. I mean, if you're a magaziner, it, it's like you're trying to learn a new dance. He's just standing there watching whatever else is doing. And he, he raises his hand when they raise their hand. Now, Justin Katz, before I let you go, um, you know, I go back to, it was May, June, 2019. We were talking about the Providence schools, the John Hopkins um, report, the, the union was certainly put on their heels. And you know, here it is. I mean, then then you had the pandemic came in and then I, I'm going to say I think they just they wasted way too much time as far as the negotiations. When you think about it, Fonte Green twice a week was sitting in these uh, negotiations. It's it's ludicrous. She she could have been out at schools or could have been anywhere other than, you know, where they're going back and forth in the different rooms. Um, I, the reason I mention that is just that it just says it seems to be more of an uproar that, you know, people are now complaining about the state toy over and where's the result. But I, I'm going to come back to you and I were on the right side of this thing. There was a small window. The media then fell in with some of the union talking points of, 
oh, look at these pictures. Here's a chair that has paint on it. Here's a, a ceiling paint. And, you know, who knows when they were taken, where they were taken. They led the media. Remember, they wouldn't let them into the school and everything. It's all just buying time. And now here it is. And McKee signed that, you know, new contract that really didn't change anything. And, you know, now now the union, they're just waiting for Infante Green to leave. And I'm sure as soon as her her deal is up and right after whoever wins, whoever wins the election, if it's McKee, he's probably bouncing her out. And then if uh, if it's someone else, she's not staying either. And again, it's just another missed opportunity and the old expression, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, well, the the unions have definitely won this one. I mean, oh, yeah. the news coverage now at this point is all they're they're on the side of saving the children from a yeah. a bad state takeover. And some of the reports don't even mention the news reports don't even mention why the state took over the schools in the first place. Right. I mean, that's right. how thoroughly the unions have won. I learned a new uh, acronym. Point. Excellent point. Yeah, yeah I, I learned a new acronym from from I guess uh, domestic abuse situations called DARVO. D A R V O. Deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. And that's what the unions have done here so well is they denied that they were the problem. They delayed and attacked the state for trying to come in. They became they made themselves the victims and not the offenders in, in Providence. And there's nobody, nobody defending the kids, nobody going up against the unions on this. Uh, and I think, you know, you're, you're right. I, I think the Infante Green's probably out and she deserves yeah. to be because she blew it. We were saying it she from did. the beginning. What yeah. are you doing? You right. need to build up an opposition to the union. Right. You're not going right to be able to play football footsie with them yeah. uh, and that's uh so i think she whether she had it in her and she just miscalculated i i don't know but you know so she she probably should go the only problem is i don't in the politics as it currently is i don't see us getting anybody better no. uh and no. if anything the next governor is going to feel like they have to get an, a union friendly super uh, yeah. person to, to do that job and uh, so it's, it's only going to get worse and, and, and unless you know, families and parents and community members really start speaking up and putting blame where it belongs. But I, I just don't see much of a groundswell there. No, it, it, it's not going to happen. There was, it's too bad. There was a window of opportunity, but it, it, it opened very quickly. They needed to pounce. They needed to tear up that contract. Uh, they, they had them on the run. They needed to really say, this is the only way it's going to work. Uh, it was a short window of 2019, but it was very, very fleeting. Folks, uh, he remains the uh, managing uh, managing editor of BankerRising.com. Justin Katz, again, our segment is Politics this week. Justin, uh, great job as always. Always good to uh, catch up with you. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. You too. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517.